when looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends! With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, this is Brett Boone, former Major League All-Star, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Spread as I would have liked, but um, I don't know. 
was an interesting process for me, the whole book thing. You know, I never thought I'd be a book guy, and and all of a sudden, you know, I kind of got talked about the angle I'd write about, and it was like, no, you're going to write about your childhood and your grandpa and, and growing up, <clears throat> you know, with my dad and, and then myself with my brother, you know, in my career. Uh, so then it kind of kind of caught my attention a little bit, and I said, yeah, I can write a clean book and just tell you what it was like for me growing up in a pretty unique situation and i ended up writing it and, and reminiscing on old times you know it's pretty it was pretty cool uh, because when i was very close with my grandfather he passed away in i believe 2004 and uh you know just going over those old days where where gramps man he'd start telling a ted williams story and i'd say gramps for the 10th time but but when when people that are close to you are gone uh, and those stories pop up, it, it kind of brings up a real good good time of your life and childhood memory. So I, I really, the process was was enter, it was I, I don't know if it's entertaining. It was uh, I learned a lot, and um, it, you know, I thought it was a pretty good experience, and I think the book did okay. I, and the toughest part for me was when the book was done being written. Uh, I had to go into the studio and read it for the for the uh, version that comes out, you know, that you that you can buy. I, I, I'm not sure the name of the company, but uh, you know, people that that listen to books. So I was the voice, and that was the toughest part of the whole process. Yeah, and you know that's funny. Uh, did you say that about doing the audio book version? Uh, yeah, the audio. Other people, oh, I'm t- it was a nightmare. Yeah, I've heard a couple other people say it's like. Wow, I knew the book because I went through the editing process and this, and I was the one who helped tell the stories. But it's like that's a whole different ballgame when doing that. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's interesting. It was educational actually, just to see the other side. You know, see a different side of life that that I hadn't seen, and it was a kind of a big project. You know, and I had a ghostwriter, so I didn't completely do it by myself. But then, you know, going into the studio doing the audio book. Um, the studio was great and it was comfortable and I'd sit down and I've done, you know, I've done some commercials over the years and my experience has been, okay, we're going to do a 30 second spot or a 25 second spot. Uh, you know, that usually takes me two or three hours before everybody's happy with, you know, how I said certain words and, and it's only a paragraph, you know, and now all of a sudden I've got a 350 page book I've got to read and, you know, every few lines, I'm going to have the the gentleman that's overseeing the process, you know, put, click on the microphone when I'm in the room and say, now you need to read that sentence again. But that's 350 pages, and um, it was it was pretty grueling. It was pretty grueling. And and you also you also it's it's time you spend with yourself that that just reiterates that you can't stand listening to yourself. So that 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 was interesting too. Yeah, and before I uh, go on to my next topic within baseball, I want to stick with the book. And you were talking about, yeah, 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 the stories that Grandpa would tell and whatever. When you're doing this process, telling some of those stories, did you would you have to call your father or other people and say, hey, you remember when Pop told this story about Ted Williams or Sacramento yeah, yeah, or whoever? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I remember most of them verbatim. Um, 
because I did spend a lot of time. And, and Grandpa was an early influence on me, uh, you know, in my baseball world. Um, you know, especially when I was one, two, three years old. That's when my dad, uh, you know, my dad was in college and he got married very early. And, you know, they had me right away. And all of a sudden he's got college and he was in the Army Reserve and uh, in the minor leagues. So he was running, him and my mom were running all over the place. So I spent a lot of time with my grandpa. So I remember most of the stories, but yes, in some situations I'd go to my dad and I'd say, just clarify for me. This is what I think the outcome was of this one grant story. Can you confirm it? So yeah, if I, if I had any questions, just try to, to try to get it as accurate as I possibly could. So yeah, I, I would go to dad for, for something or, or one of my brothers, uh, you know, to make sure, hey, this is how I remember it. Do you remember it the same way? And uh, usually I get a confirmation. Yeah, I, I definitely tried to fact check and, and do everything as, as good as I could. Uh, and I'm sure still it's still not perfect, but uh, it's, as, it's as close as we could get to, to reality. Yeah. And like we said, being a generational player, uh, for those who live under a rock for some odd reason, which – pretty dark and dungy, but uh, Les Brother Aaron is a current manager for the New York Yankees, which can lead to a few other questions about the game within the game, but right. were you aware of him putting his name in the hat to become a manager when that spot opened up? I did, but he kind of, he kind of was subtle about it and sly, you know, and I didn't hear that much about it. Um you know, I, I think, and now looking back on that time when he, when he uh, you know, was interviewing for the job, and it all makes sense to me. Uh, you know, Aaron came, uh, got traded to the Yankees, you know, back in 03, the year that he hit the big home run. And, um, you know, so he had a brief tenure. Then he had the, he had the injury uh, to his knee, blew out his ACL. The Yankees released him. But Aaron, the thing about Aaron is he's, he's a man of impeccable character. He really is. He always has been. And um, he got hurt in the off season uh, playing pickup basketball, which is a no-no in, in the in the basic agreement rules. Um, I don't know how many people would have come to to their boss after an injury that he suffered, uh, training in the off season, and been completely honest, knowing that. Your contract's in jeopardy uh, if if they choose to to exercise their option, and they did. And I believe he, you know, he had a I, I forget what the what the details were of his contract that year, but his contract got voided, and he got bought out for you know I think a fifth of it or, or something like that. And um, you know, as much as that time in his life was very tough, and uh, you know, probably for everybody, probably for the Yankees, they didn't want to do that, but they needed a third baseman. Uh, anyway, Aaron goes into the ESPN world, and I'm sure that relationship was started right there with, with Cashman and the Yankees franchise. You know, the first thing being Aaron, you know, hit one of the biggest home runs in, in the franchise history. And then, uh, unfortunately, he had that injury and they had to release him. But, but I think, like I said, Aaron, Aaron's pretty strong character man, and the fact that he was upfront, honest about everything that happened. I think that probably – I'm just trying to put myself in the position of, of uh, uh, you know, a franchise being in, 
you know, being in the front office and, and hearing somebody being that that honest with me. I think that was probably impressive to start. And I think the ESPN through the years and, and covering a lot of Red Sox Yankees game games, I think he was around that a lot. And I think his, uh, Cashman and Aaron uh, probably had a really good relationship through the years of, of him working at ESPN. And and I think when the job came up, Aaron said, "What well, you know, what do I have to lose? And he went in there and I, I think killed it in the interview. Aaron's a great baseball man. Um, and he's very interested in the new the new side of the game. You know the analytics and all that, so so it was kind of a perfect fit for him. Uh, he's still got a lot of old school in him, um, but he's definitely brought the new school too. Uh, and me and him will debate things and 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 argue about things that I don't agree. You know, I don't agree with. You know, we that that's a good thing about us. We're all very knowledgeable of this game, uh, but we all have our differences and our nuances. And we want to explain our side. And that goes to my dad as well. You know. Sit around and we'll have conversations. <laughs> There's always a, an argument, never, never a real argument, but disagreements, and uh, it makes for for interesting talk. But uh, I think Aaron's done a great job. I'm really proud of him. I think he came in and inherited a, 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 a pretty good team last year and won 100 games. It, it just so happened he ran into Boston Red Sox, who probably last year that team was one of the best teams in the last 20 years. Uh, I think this year with all the injuries. And the way they've run things, that the the players that that management has come in to replace the injured guys early in the season. Wow, what a great job they've they've done! Uh, now you're getting healthy again. Your number one starter, Severino, hasn't even hasn't even thrown a ball yet. And you know, I I believe they've got you know one of the best records in the game, and they're not even fully healthy yet. So you can get the trade deadline coming up. So there's always going to be some, you know, some some things happening there. So uh, I, I look at them this year. They're, they're going to be pretty tough to beat. You know, Houston's Houston's real tough and, and never count Boston out second half. I think the Dodgers are still the class in the National League. But the Yankees are right there with as good a chance as anybody, I think, to do it this year. But I've been, been on a lot of great teams and, and been on some bad teams. And I know that baseball is baseball, and anything can happen in a short season. But, exactly. Uh, I, I, well, I'd like going in with that Yankee Cats, pretty powerful team. Yeah, and you mentioned it a little bit, not an answer there. Uh, and I know you've done a little bit of coaching, worked with the athletics and such, you know, since your playing days. Where do you sit right here at 2019 with analytics versus that old school? Because obviously you grew up in a baseball family, you played everything like that. But then you have somebody like a Gabe Tabler over in Philadelphia that has been known to do a lot of the analytics side of things. Yeah, how much do you balance looking at numbers compared to the situational side of things? Well, I, I think I think analytics to to rely strictly on an, analytics in in baseball is is absurd. Uh, I think it doesn't answer all the questions. And as a player, let me, let me put it this way: as a player, you know, I was a I was a student of the game, and I, I really studied the intricacies. I really liked thinking uh, the game inside the game, and and thinking through. I loved the video. I loved as much intel as I could get my hands on. I think I think uh, information is is power. The more you can have. Uh, 
to, to create a situation to give yourself the best chance to succeed. I was a firm believer in that. Uh, I think today with the data we have, and, and uh, I, I, I would love it. It's not that I would turn into an analytical guy, but I would take all those analytics, take as much information as I could get, and I would use what I need to use. Because at the end of the day, baseball is baseball. It's been there for, for a long time. And as much as the game's changed, the current format, uh, it's still there's still basic principles you apply to being a great player, and they work. And I don't care if it's 2050 or it's 1897. There's certain things in baseball. As a player, if, if you put in the practice, you will be successful. Uh, I get a little bit frustrated with the overanalyzing everything. These guys aren't computers. You know, you can't judge a player strictly on numbers. Uh, I think you have to take other factors into consideration. And along the short, you know, first and foremost, I, I, when I talk about the analytics, um, I am the first to admit that I haven't studied the deep analysis that all these teams do. So I, I don't feel like I'm an expert in the field to speak on it. I'm just saying as a layman, I look at the analytics, I look at the game. Game hasn't, as much as it's changed, it hasn't changed. It's still baseball, and if you do these things, it works. Um, but from a, just a layman's, without studying the analytics a lot, my opinion is the great ones are going to be great baseball men. <clears throat> as a manager, I think there's three things that are essential. One, how you interact with your with your with your guys, with your players, the tone you set in that room, the egos you deal with, how you deal with certain people a certain way, and other people a different way to get the same result. I think the relationship you have with your general manager, I think that's essential, because I think you know a lot of GMs are are up in the booth and they've they've had a hand in putting that team together and and they want some input. You know, having that relationship, I think, is key. And handling the press, which for me is a simple thing. You know, you have a, you, you have your talk every day, and nowadays it's it's an event. You know, back even 15 years ago, you didn't have a daily press conference with the manager. You go into the manager's office, and you know, 10 guys stand around and ask questions. Now it's actually an event. Um, so I think those are the three key things, and I think the great managers will be the ones that really relate to people. I still think that's the biggest. Uh, most important thing is reading people and and setting the tone. So when the you know I, the, the best managers I had is when they stepped in the dugout. It, it's kind of like all right, we're ready to go. And it wasn't anything they said or did that day or or put the lineup out. It's not about getting the left hander up at the right time or the right hander going in the bullpen. Those are all X's and O's that you, a computer can run. It's how you manage people and and the, the atmosphere. The, the, is that tone set to where you, you know, as a player, you get to the ballpark and you feel good, hey, we're going to win today, boom, 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 boom. Um, so I think, I, I just think there's a there's a, there's a a mix. And uh, the, the guys that take the right mix and, and mesh the two together, or history is going to show are going to be the best managers of this era. Exactly. Uh, well, you would notice more than anybody. Well, first of all, before I jump into that next question, if you're a reader of baseball books, fellow former major leaguer Jason Kendall talked about some of that work he said there. Uh, we talked to him a couple of years ago when his book came out, and he talked about the game within the game. So that might be something to check out. 
if you want to see some of that uh, on a personal game, level. Another the game within the game is by far the most interesting thing to me. Yeah. Um, I loved it. You know, I worked for the A's for a couple of years, and, and I really enjoyed that time of working with young players, minor league guys. And just <clears throat> my my thing wasn't, you know, of course I'd go out with the middle infielders and we work on footwork and, and basic things on not necessarily teaching them how I turn to double play, but teaching them everything you have to do to be successful turning a double play. And then you put your, you know, you put your individual stamp on it. I didn't tell everybody to play like me because they probably couldn't. But they did some things that I probably couldn't do. So so teaching is a is a having an open mind and feeling it and, and taking consideration who you're dealing with. I might have a super a real athletic guy that is capable of doing things that that the guy next to him can't do. So so we can you know I can let him get away with more. Um, but the true teaching for me was the thought process and how we prepare. You know, it wasn't necessarily, well, I could hit, I know how to hit, I know how to, I think I can tell you how to hit. But that wasn't my, my specialty. My specialty was, no, let's, I'm going to teach you how to think like a big leaguer and how to get into the mind. And when you get into the box, what should be going through your mind and what, what you, how you prepared up until that point where you stepped into the box. Uh, and that's the real interesting part of baseball for me. Because I think it goes from you know from the simplest things of how you deal with umpires to to body language of catchers to body language of pitchers. You know, there was nothing that bothered me worse than a catcher that was really astute and was thinking like I was thinking. Now all of a sudden it becomes a chess game, and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me almost with a smirk, like I know what you're doing here, and <laughs> we both know what each other is doing. Now it's who's going to make the right move and and win the little game within the game. Um, the easiest things for me when I was hitting was having a catcher that wasn't thinking along the lines I was. So now I can make my bat predictable from a pitch count standpoint. You know, my my goal with hitting was always to eliminate a pitch. If I can eliminate one pitch, that makes the game a lot easier. Instead of having to worry about three pitches, I only have to worry about two. That sways it into my favor a little bit more percentage-wise of being successful. So it was it was, you know, the... The things that aren't already aren't always talked about to me are the most intriguing and the most important. And a lot of the great ones that I played with, they all think like that, and they all do things that aren't seen on the surface to prepare to play this game. Well, is there certain or uh, certain change from your perspective as far as intensity of the game and how it's played? It's changed. Well, I mean, the last thing I. I I never want to be that guy that you say, oh, you're old, we're just, you know, it's the kids, let them do, it's a different generation. <laughs> so I've kind of rolled with the punches. A lot of the game now for me is too much um, as far as the celebrating, the everybody has their own shoe. Um, those are things when I played that you earned. I remember I got my own shoe. I didn't get my own shoe till 2001. And I remember that day where Nike said I was going to be able to design my own shoe. And it was like, I'm telling you, it was like I was 10 years old at Christmas and I just got a new, you know, motorcycle. It was like, finally, I got my own, you know. Yeah. And these are the little things that were really, really uh, 
cool things. Um, I don't know. I, I just I think baseball has turned turned from not just baseball to now it's kind of entertainment, kind of Hollywoody, you know, where where everything's just kind of a little more. Everybody's got their own brand, and it's more of a, a of a pr- production than it is a baseball game. Yeah. That being said, it's 2019. This is their time. I see players uh, getting bigger, getting stronger, getting faster. Uh, the athleticism is getting better. These players are getting better. It doesn't mean they're better baseball players, but from a physical standpoint, uh, the product coming out now versus when I was coming through the minor leagues, these kids come to the minor leagues, and these guys are beasts already. You know, the tra- because I think now – the training and and the the tools you have available to you. Uh, so I think that's a positive thing because the game's going to continue to to grow and get better as time goes on. I think uh, Major League Baseball is doing a great job marketing the game. I think you know, like this recent London series where Boston and Yankees played in London. Uh, as a player, that's kind of the last thing you want to do in the middle of the season is do something like that. But but it's really you know you're you're, you're really uh, playing to another uh, population over in London. And, and uh, you know, I was watching the All-Star game a little bit last night. And I've never seen somebody mic'd up in the box. And, uh, you know, once again, as a hitter, that's the last thing on earth I want is to have a microphone and I'm talking to somebody in the booth during my at-bat. Um but I think the little things they're doing like that really are a positive thing for the game because I think fans really like that. And this game is still and always will be about the fans. And, and the more the fans love it, the more people are going to come out to the game and how your game's going to grow and how your population of the game's going to grow, not only countrywide but worldwide. So I think there's a lot of positive things as far as um, promoting the game. I think that everybody's doing a really good job. Uh, it just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm old school in a lot of ways. And, uh, and just the celebrations and the, I don't know, they're a little bit much for me. It's not like I look at it and get angry or anything. It's just, oh, these are kids. This is what they do nowadays. That wouldn't have happened in my time. Um, but it does now. And, and I'm retired, so it doesn't matter what I think. But, um, there's still the guys out. There's a lot of pros out there. There's a lot of really good players. I, I still baseball is baseball. It always will be. I'll always love it. Um, and, and usually you're going to be partial to your game. You know, I remember talking to my dad, and he'd talk about the guys from his generation and mine. You know, Aaron and myself would say, "Dad, come on, the players are way better now." And then you know, we talk about Ted Williams and my grandpa. And, and I'd say, Ted, uh, I said, Gramps, Ted was really good, but Barry Bonds is way better, you know, and there'd be those arguments. So you're always going to have those. Um, I'm sure I'll be talking about Barry Bonds till I'm a grandpa and a great grandpa. You know, my grandkids one day are going to say, oh, Barry Bonds wasn't that good. I'm going to say, you should have seen him, you know, but that's what makes the game great. And from generation to generation to pass that on, um, are a great part of life. Well, final question for you, because I want to be respectful of your time. Who was, uh, at least in the generation that you played. Who was the greatest player you played with? Or is that hard to pinpoint? Played with? Uh, the, hard, the best uh, player you played with. Played with Griffey Jr. Okay. He is the best talent, best talent I ever played with. Not the best player I've ever seen. 
Would that be Bonds? That'd be Bonds. Hands down, not even close. I feel like Barry was just on a different plateau than, or different, he was on a different level than everybody else. And I think if you went around and asked all the players of my generation and Barry's generation, just a, just a blank question, who's the best player you ever saw? I think it overwhelmingly would be Bonds. Um, he was, I can't even explain it, you know. It's like I think of the great players, and man, there were a lot of great players. Uh, but Bonds was just so much better than the second best player. Yeah. Um, it, it's almost like he was playing slow pitch softball, and the rest of us were playing in the big leagues. You know, I remember having some really great years, and, and you know, I had. I remember in 2001, I had, you know, I had a big year, and I had 330, and I drove in 140 runs, and. You know, I got 200 hits, and I remember playing against the Giants and watching Barry hit and go, you know, I'm looking at my numbers thinking, this is a big-time MVP year. <laughs> and I remember thinking, how much how much better of a player Barry Bonds was than me? <laughs> and it wasn't even close. Yeah. That's how good I thought he was. And, um, yeah, he was, he was amazing for about – Four or five years, I mean, he just slowed the game down to a point where it, it, it's like it wasn't even fair. If you threw him a strike, it wasn't a matter of him getting a base hit. It was a matter of where's it going to land. Yeah. So uh, it, it was pretty unbelievable to watch. Like I said, Griffey uh, was amazing just all around how good he was. You know, but I had the I had the opportunity to play with a lot of great players. To this day, I think about Chipper Jones is one of the best players I ever played with. Played with him one year in Atlanta from an all-around standpoint. Just the poise he had, especially at such a young age. Um, you know, Edgar's one of the best hitters that I ever played with. Best pure hitter I ever played with by Tony Gwynn. I played with him one year in San Diego. So I was fortunate. I got to play with a lot of great players. Um, yeah. Got to see a lot of a lot of interesting things and and had a lot of fun and. and feel very blessed to to get to do what I got to do for a living for a long time. But, um, you know, I still, I I, I love the game today. There's still players out there that I like to watch. You know, they're exciting. And they're the new, they're the new, the the face of the the new generation. And uh, like I said, it goes on and on and and eras and generations change. And 20 years from now, you know, the players are going to be different. And the current players are going to be going, no, I don't like them. I like our generation better. So I think it's just what makes the game the game. Well, if uh, folks want to find uh, Brett Boone on social media, where can they find you? I'm not huge social media, but I try. Uh, no, I, I I don't know. It's a Brett Boone Twitter and a Brett Boone Instagram, and they've got the blue check mark, so that's it. That's my account. Well, yeah, and uh, I do know the site's still up, brettboonbook.com, if you want to see the Brett Boone Brett Boone Boone but I think you can get the audio books version still. Yes. So, you know, uh, but I think the hard the hard uh, copies are, are hard to come by now, but you can still get the audio book. Exactly. If you want to fall asleep, you can listen to my voice for, for five hours. <laughs> very, That's a pretty good uh, book. It's a pretty soothing. good book. It's very soothing, I would say. Brett Boone, thank you so much. You got it. Thanks for having me.
Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from peewee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hi, I'm Pat Williams of the Orlando Magic. Just a reminder, you're listening to the dulcet voices. Oh, boy, crazy train radio. There's nothing like it. 